Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, the Reverend John White, rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week, I'd like to share two different lessons with you from the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis in the 45th chapter. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children as well as your flocks, your herds and all that you have. I will provide for you there since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. For our second lesson from the Gospel of Luke, beginning in the sixth chapter, Jesus said, I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. 
Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. I was in Indianapolis recently. As I mentioned, I went there for a conference a few weeks ago. And as I said, it's time. That's my hometown. So I was able to, to see some of my family. And I did something that I don't usually have the opportunity to do well, that I don't usually at least take the, take the opportunity to do, which is I went to visit my brother. Well, I went to visit my brother's grave. My brother died a number of years ago. I was 16. So a long time ago now. Um, and I have to say, my brother and I didn't really have like a super great relationship. He was about seven years older than me, and he had been the baby for that whole time. The sort of the treasured one, the son. And then I came along, and I think that kind of upset his apple cart. And so he kind of resented me, I think, a lot as a kid. At the time of his death, we had just sort of started to build a more sort of grown-up and mature relationship. So I was 16, he was 22. Um, he'd just come home from the Marines, and, and you know, we were kind of off on a good start, and it was, you know, cut short. He died rather tragically in a fire. And one of the things I've discovered as I've, you know, explored, because I, I, we have some difficult family dynamics in my family, and um, one of the things I discovered is over the years that we, we have a ghost. We have a ghost in our family. And I don't mean like, like a specter that like, you know, a poltergeist that like moves tables around or anything like that. It's not like, you know, like a white sheet that like runs around through our house or anything. But we, we have this presence that has sort of thrown everything off. And that is, her name is Janice. It's an actual person, Janice. Janice is our ghost. And Janice died before I was born. In fact, her grave is not very far from my brother's. It's just kind of across the little road in the cemetery there. And Janice is my father's first wife. And so my three older brothers and sisters that I have with my father, it's their mother. And she had some kind of cancer in the early 1960s, which, um, of course, was uncurable. And she died about a year before I was born. Now, of course, I didn't grow up knowing any of this. I knew she existed. I knew she had died, but I didn't really know the story. And, and as I got older and I started thinking about it and discovering more, um, I realized that this, this story, this person, this ghost, Janice, has 
colored and affected the lives of all of us for, for many, many, many years. Because, as I said, Janice died a year or so before I was born. My mother was pregnant with me, I know, when she died. My father's first wife died while my mother was pregnant with me. And so I also then learned that my mother and Janice had been friends. And that they, they, my mother would visit her in the hospital. And Janice begged her to marry my father and to be a mother to her children because she was afraid for them. But, but her death couldn't be replaced. Her, her loss. And this, this tragedy affected my father and it affected my older siblings and, and unknowingly it affected me and it affected my mother. And this, this ghost has been sort of running around in our family haunting us even though that would have been the furthest thing from her desire. And in these stories we have today, we have sort of similar dynamics at work. In this story of Joseph and his family, we remember that Joseph was the favored child. His father loved him more than the other 12 or 11 boys. There were 12 of them all together. And he bought him, I remember that special colorful coat. And Joseph was sort of lorded around over them about how he was favored and he had visions that one day they would all bow down to him. And they hated Joseph. They hated Joseph. I mean, you can kind of understand why they did. And so they were out one day herding the sheep somewhere far from camp. And Joseph came out wearing his special coat. And they conspired against him. First, they wanted to kill him. We're just going to kill him, they said. And then we'll, we'll just tell father that a wild animal got him. But lions used to run around in Israel in those days. But instead, they decided just to throw him into a deep pit. And then they sold him as a slave. And they still told their father that he was dead. And so for all these years, can you imagine the family dynamic of all these years, all of these sons knowing the truth and still having to pretend that Joseph was dead, that he had died tragically. They had to live in that lie and how that lie must have poisoned their family and its relationships. Until one day in the midst of a famine, they find themselves in Egypt where Joseph had been sold off to, unknowing what had happened to him. And it turns out that Joseph, the slave, had become the right-hand man of the Pharaoh. And when Joseph saw his brothers, he knew who they were. Now Paul tells us in his letter to the Corinthians that, sorry, Jesus tells us in the gospel here that we are to love our enemies, to pray for them, to, to not let the things that people do to us color how we respond to the world. To not respond to hate with hate. To not respond to greed with greed. To not respond to hurt with hurt. But to let that stuff go and focus on our relationship with God and our created being. 
children of God. Joseph here lives it out in a way that, that in my family we still struggle to come to terms with. That Joseph sees the brokenness, he sees the hurt, he sees his brother's fear. They were his enemies. They sold him into slavery. They debated in his hearing whether or not they should kill him. And when he sees them, he doesn't let the weight of that color how he responds. His first words are, is my father still alive? Because what Jesus is getting at is that at the center of this thing we call faith, of this invitation of God, of our purpose as created children of God, is about the reconciliation and the integrity of relationship. We are called primarily as we walk through this world to enter into relationships with integrity, to encounter each person we meet as a fellow child of God. And it's not an invitation when we read Jesus' his, his, his call to us here in this gospel. It's not an invitation to be a doormat to whoever comes along. It's not about, about giving so much of yourself that there's nothing of you left. But it is about holding on to the integrity of yourself while also recognizing the integrity of another, the, the dignity of another. And to enter into that relationship in that way and not let our, our fears and not let our prejudices, not let our biases get in the way of seeing a fellow child of God. And that is one of the hardest things for us to do. It is one of the most challenging aspects of Christian faith, this idea of letting go of judgment. Because we all judge all the time, right? Is this someone I want to be with? Do I feel safe in this situation? Is this someone who's going to take advantage of me? We all go through that calculus in our heads. But if we, if we can't, if we can't find forgiveness, if we can't find the ability to, to let go of the things that have happened to us, and not to say that they were okay, or that they were right, or that they don't matter, but if we can't say that those things will not color how I will live my life now, if the hurts that I have experienced are going to be a weight to me, all they're going to do is hold me back and they do me no good. Jesus invites us into the opportunity of reconciliation so that those things don't have to affect how we encounter new people or even how we relate to those who have hurt us. The story of my ghost, Janice, is a story of how not to do it, of how to hold in secrets, to not acknowledge the reality of the pains, to, to take the anger of what happened and the grief at what happened and let it reside in their souls to the point where they shrivel away and relationships are broken because that is the opposite of what Jesus invites us into. Jesus seeks reconciliation, especially with those who would do us harm. And if we are to 
to be Jesus in the world, right? If we are to continue his ministries, if we are to walk through this earth as he did, we need to have first and foremost a trust in the promises, the promises that Paul outlines of of this eternal life, this transformation that awaits all of us, and that our fears and that our worries and that our hurts can be remade. That in our, our promise of resurrection should be a source of strength for us as we seek the reconciliation and the brokenness of our relationships that we have. It's like if we can, if we can take the broken shards, the bits of our lives that we, we normally keep in the dark, and we can bring them out into the light and put the vessel of our whole selves back together again. We are better able to be Jesus. We are better able to fulfill the mission to which we were called. We are children of God. That's remarkable. Beloved children of God. Let us hold fast to that. Let us never forget it. Let us not let any of the hurts of this world interfere with our vision of that glorious invitation. Amen. Such a feast as man's